Oh, magnify the precious name of Jesus. Praise His name. Episode 18. Three stories, two men, one song. Hello, and welcome to Stories About Him. As the title of this episode suggests, there are going to be three stories that will culminate into one song. As such, this episode will be longer than most. I try to keep my episodes around the 8-10 to 10 minute mark, just long enough for you to get to work or church. Occasionally, I have surpassed this by a few minutes, but this episode is expected to be at least double the average amount of time, for a few reasons, as you will see. The first part of the story begins in 1766, with the creation of the Anacreontic Society. This gentleman's club was for musicians with the purpose of promoting music. They hosted and held concerts and would bring up professional musicians as guests who would occasionally perform at concerts. Another primary aim of this society was to promote interest in music, which would of course lead into the development of music. Enter John Stafford Smith, the first of the two men from this episode's title. John was just 16 years old when this society was founded, and due to a lack of records, we don't really know when he actually joined. But by the mid-1770s, he was already a skilled musician and composer. John grew up as a boy singer in his church and would later join the choir. He then became a skilled organist and composed music for the congregation. His reputation grew. In approximately 1776, when he was just 26 years old, he composed music for a song that the president of the society had written. The song became known as the Anacreontic Song, and is also known as To Anacreon in Heaven. This song would be sung right after supper and was used as an opener to other music performances of the night. Due to its complexity and high variation of notes, it was difficult for a group of men, sometimes numbering 80, to sing as a congregation. Instead, a soloist would sing the song and everyone else would join in the chorus, usually the last. The song was adopted as the constitutional song of the society. This society would last until about 1792, but the song, especially the music, which is our focus for this story, would last much, much longer. The next part of the story begins in 1801. Really, it begins much earlier than that, when a coalition of pirates from northern Africa known as the Barbary Pirates, began capturing ships in the Atlantic Ocean and Mediterranean Sea and keeping or selling the people on board as slaves. While this went on for many years, it was not until 1801 that the young United States of America went to war with the Barbary Pirates. This was the first overseas campaign the new country embarked on and would see a lot of new things and learn a lot of new things. While I'd love to get into the intricacies of the war, there are only a few things that matter to the story. The destruction of the USS Philadelphia and the raid of Tripoli. The USS Philadelphia and its crew, not being knowledgeable of the waters around Tripoli, ran aground against an extending reef just near the harbor. As a result, the ship was boarded, the crew taken captive, and the ship essentially captured. It was then anchored in the ocean and used as a battery against any American ships attempting to enter the harbor. In order to prevent its use, a daring plan was constructed, where American forces snuck onto the ship at night, within sight of the enemy forces and behind enemy lines, and managed to sabotage the ship. 
The result was successful, and the ship was blown into unusable bits. The next incident was an attempt to scare the Pasha of Tripoli, the leader of the region and the military forces, to force him to settle for peace. It was decided that a raid against the major city would be the best option. Through a series of skirmishes at sea, the American forces attempted to enter and capture the harbor. While they destroyed or captured many enemy vessels, they could not penetrate the defenses and eventually resorted to sending a ship full of explosives to blow up against the enemy ships. While the end goal was never achieved by this event, the Pasha did begin to consider surrender. So when he learned that the Americans and mercenaries had captured the whole town of Derna, and with the American Navy still sitting just outside of his harbor, he knew it was time to accept the peace offer. Many men had proven themselves in these battles in the entire war, but two men, who were more or less nobodies prior to the conflict, really began to stick out due to their bravery and courage in battle. These men were Stephen Decatur and Charles Stewart. When these warriors returned from their overseas duties, it was a time of celebration. For an amateur poet like Francis Scott Key, yes, that Francis Scott Key, and the second of the two men from the title of this episode, this was best done through song. Apparently, Francis was given just one hour's notice of the men's arrival, so he quickly wrote up a song. While the poem is long, with five stanzas of considerable length, I would like to read off the first and last. When the warrior returns from the battle afar, to the home and the country he nobly defended, oh, warm the welcome to gladden his ear, and loud be the joy with his perils are ended. In full tide of song let his frame roll along, to the feast flowing board let us gratefully throng, where, mixed with the olive and the laurel shall wave, and form a bright wreath for the brows of the brave. Then welcome the warrior returned from afar, to the home and the country he nobly defended. Let the thanks due to valor now gladden his ear, and loud be the joy that his perils are ended. In the full tide of song let his frame roll along, to the feast flowing board let us gratefully throng, where mixed with the olive the laurel shall wave, and form a bright wreath for brows of the brave. While this is not the primary song of this episode, it is still very important to note. Firstly, it holds the same meter pattern as the song that will be the focus of this episode. This first song's influence was more than that, though. While many words would make their way to the second song, the last words of the last two lines would be the most influential, wave and brave. Finally, the music Francis chose to use for this song would also be used for the next song. This tune was the same one composed by John Stafford Smith and was used for the Anacreontic song as we discussed earlier. That leads us to the final story that led to the creation of the topical song. The same second man, Francis Scott Key, would be the author of this song as well. By 1814, the United States of America was at war with its former ruling nation, Britain, in the War of 1812. The United States had just recently suffered some setbacks in the war. Most prominent were the burning of Washington, D.C. and the raid on Alexandria, Virginia. With its capital captured and destroyed, the enemy raiding the surrounding areas, 
the United States was seeking some good news. On September 3rd of 1814, Francis and John Skinner were sent as ambassadors to the HMS Tonant in order to make an exchange of prisoners. There, they spoke with Major General Robert Ross and Vice Admiral Alexander Cochrane, who also openly discussed war plans about a raid on nearby Baltimore, Maryland, where the two American men had just departed from. While an agreement on prisoners was made, it was determined that the two guests would not be able to leave since they heard the details of the upcoming battle, so they were transferred to the HMS Minden. From there, Francis observed the attack on Baltimore through the rainy night. From his position, he could see the storm flag, which is just a smaller flag used for high winds. But once the barrages began, he would not know the result of the war until the following dawn. Then, on September 14th, Francis witnessed the normal-sized flag being raised over Fort McHenry. This sight inspired him to write another song. Using the same meter as his first poem, he began to write another that was dedicated to the flag of 15 stars and 15 stripes, known as the Star-Spangled Banner. He would call this poem, Defense of Fort McHenry. The context of the song is visualized best, and most famously in the first stanza. That's correct. This song has more than one stanza. It actually has four. I was guilty of this for many years, but most Americans are not knowledgeable of this fact. It is sad, because the last stanza, as we will see, is probably the best. But going back to the first, I want to focus on the phrase, And the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air, gave proof through the night that the flag was still there. At night, in the rain, in the massive amounts of smoke, Francis was not able to see the flag anymore. However, he knew the Americans had not been defeated, because the battle was still going on. The sounds and sights of battle was enough for a man so far removed from the scene to know that the Americans had not lost. What a feeling he must have had. If you don't know already, this poem's title would be changed to The Star-Spangled Banner and would later, much later, be adopted as the National Anthem of the United States of America. I really, really, really want to get into the aftermath of the song's creation, but there is a lot to cover. From the criticism of Francis, to his intent of the second and third stanzas, to the history of the adoption of the song as the national anthem. This song has a deep history in its creation and in its use for the following years. But I am afraid it is too much for this podcast, and not truly relevant to my intent. Maybe someday. During another patriotic season, I will add an addendum episode to cover this later history. Now that you know the story, listen to the first and fourth stanzas as sung by Ben Everson. I really wanted to find a good cover of the entire song being sung by someone who would give me permission, but it is truly difficult to find. Nonetheless, we have been blessed with Ben Everson and his singing of this song. You can truly hear his passion when he sings, probably the same sentiment Francis had when he penned these words. You can listen to more of Ben's songs at beneverson.com. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming 
broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight or the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming and the rocket's red glare bombs bursting in air gave proof through the night that our flag was still there oh say does that star spangled Star 